Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. And I'm Chris Heine. And we're back. Woo-hoo. Surprise! <laughs> wow. This whole entire winter has been one string of interesting things after another, many of which I feel are were unexpected, possibly unknown. But now that we're back, I suppose we can tell you why we've been missing for five weeks um, after a string of flawless podcasts week after week. Long three, time, three years, years of podcast. Yeah. Three years of podcasts with no no breaks, except for the last five weeks. So so we'll get this part out of the way so you guys understand. You'll you'll feel feel the feelings that you need to feel about this. But man, it's been interesting. Sometimes life throws you some weird stuff. Before I tell you the list, uh, here's what's going on on this week's podcast. We have the last piece of the U-Ray travels um, back, if you think way back, when we went, oh my gosh, in January 1st, <laughs> we went all the way over to U-Ray, Colorado and surrounding little mountain towns. We had a great adventure with a bunch of awesome people. And so we have a tiny little bit of that that we want to tell you. And then we've got a bunch of stuff coming up, um, including some insights into how like life's curveballs throw you some real interesting stuff and what what do you want to do with that i suppose um and we'll talk about that and our perspectives on that too in this week's podcast so here's why we've been missing for a while um so if you've been angry now you can feel something else (laughs) but okay you, you might sense a small nasal shift in my voice a tiny, crusty grizzle, maybe. <laughs> you can't tell what Chris is because he's not talking. But he also has a crust. They probably heard it when I introduced myself. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> a nice, bassy crust. And then Jenny's fine. Yes, okay. hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we came back from our U-Ray travels to instantly catch a flu from ourselves from back in time, <laughs> from before Christmas. And after a string of sicknesses... One after another, after another, after another. And then currently to present day somehow, the sickness has continued (laughs) passing around the gallery from person to person. Jenny would have it and then James would have it and then Chris would have it. And I've pretty much had it exclusively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the weird part is that Chris, I think Chris's body started shutting down because just a couple weeks ago, his face started to inflate on one side. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Chris was was better. And then he went and hung out with all the sick children. I went to a water park with my nieces and nephews and uh, swallowed every disease on the planet. <laughs> From a, some poop soup that was in there. Yeah. And he came back and he's like, I don't feel good. And then slowly the side of his face started to inflate. Well, first I spent like 11 days in bed, unable to do anything. And then I was feeling better and a gland on the side of my head. It was like I was holding a banana under my neck like a phone. <laughs> so for it was yeah. Uh, yeah, underneath his neck skin. <laughs> it was so awkward. And then the best part was he had to start teaching continuing education <laughs> with his banana phone. Yeah. For doing all this, I haven't missed a class. Yeah. yeah. They gave him like an infomercial um, microphone so that he could whisper into it to his class. Yeah, they were like, for, yeah, we'll hook you up. Don't worry about it. For five days or so, I couldn't talk at all beyond like a whisper. So I was like, uh, and it was the first day of continuing education. So I was like, like, okay, class. Well, I was, and I, I contacted him and I was like, I'm okay to teach class, but I can hardly speak. Do you have a microphone? Cause I thought those rooms were like wired for microphones. I think they are. I think they're supposed to project like throughout the the speakers, the ceiling or something. So then they said, okay. And then I went to pick up the microphone and it was like a infomercial, like little wire with a ball on the end. end. (laughs) A headset, and then it, it with a with a cord that connected to a, a speaker that you wore on a strap like a purse. So then I would walk around projecting my voice from my hip. Just a weird whisper. Aww, uh, so sad. It is. So it was embarrassing. It was a rough first class. That's okay. That's where you establish um, the the perspective for all your students and then you could just go up from there i have lots of um kind of uh, deadpan jokes kind of deadpan dad jokes i guess yeah and they really miss when people when can whispering? barely hear you and you can't change the tone of your voice yeah. and you're like this is awkward mm. so it was pretty yeah 
So well, it'll be better next time. I'm sure. And I hopefully we won't continue to be sick for the rest of time. Because, man, has it felt like three months of being sick is really bad. So besides all that stuff, it's been really interesting. I think you guys know we all have a couple jobs, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that's been totally crazy also over the last forever trying to juggle everything. So um, Chris and I are both teaching at MCAD, uh, and we do that on Mondays and Wednesdays. And now Chris teaches Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I teach Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then Jenny was working every morning for her entire life throughout yes. the entirety of like January and February. Yep. And so all of us were just ground into a miserable pulp. <laughs> so sad oh my gosh it was so crazy uh and then on a sad note and i'll just mention it really quickly um thanks to everybody who said nice things to us um we had one of our dogs pass away just a little bit ago um he was a really good guy really old man um 13 years old so he had a good good long go um but thanks to everybody who sent uh some nice condolences that was really appreciated so but yeah so anyway really weird crazy last three months and mm-hmm. so now what day is it <laughs> I don't even know it's March oh my god it's March and we've got plenty of stuff coming up so so I think we're looking forward to all the changes you yes. know so yeah. oh so let's do this let's go way back in time way back are you going there do you yeah, need to put was, a sound I was going to do that Wayne's World yeah, thing but yeah. I don't think I can make my voice oh do you need me to do it is yeah. that that like doo 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 that's good <laughs> So let's go way back. So if you remember, we were doing the the U-Ray travels. Um, We just have a couple last things that we did, um, which are totally notable. Um, One of which was we had the opportunity to go and visit one of the coolest places I've ever seen in my entire life when we were in U-Ray. U-Ray, of course, is a tiny little mountain town nestled in a valley and surrounding the, the little town. It's probably only got like 60 buildings in it you know, or less Mm -hmm. even. Um, It's got these great towering mountains and beautiful scenery and wonderful foliage. And right smack in the middle is this three-story, like, brick building that's kind of imposing. Um, And we took everybody down there to go and visit Kurt, who is the owner of Uray Alchemist, which is an entire, I guess, giant building full of, like, not even vintage, but like antique uh, pharmaceutical and alchemy materials, objects, things mm-hmm. from like, you know, like weird poultices and like mixtures of stuff from way back in the day, starting in the 1500s or something like that, all the yeah, way up to current and it's, day. It's not even just um, like the items, but also some of the actual pieces from old pharmaceuticals, like the counters and the storage systems and things like that so every single thing in the entire shop he has accumulated over time so it really has a feeling like going back in time to old medicinal place it's crazy you pass through this huge gate and all of a sudden you can see everything stacked up from the old glass jars with the fancy handwritten labels on it some of which still have like strange powders in them you know (laughs) and so the entire thing is just unreal so amidst all of the crazy wonders, we heard stories for, what, two hours? Yeah. Of the yep. entire history of alchemy from the beginning of time to current day and how it changed and how things um, actually, you know, strangely enough, were quite magical. And then after the magic stopped happening, quite terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and it was yeah. really interesting. This guy, Kurt, was maybe, I think he said, what, 73, 72 yeah, years old? Yep. You know, he reminded me of my dad, which I, yeah. I just absolutely loved listening to him talk because he yeah. was really energetic. and He, he was, was the, one of the most entertaining people I've ever listened to talk about It something. was great. Yeah. I mean, there was, what, 15 of us or so or you know, 13 of us or something like that sitting in little tiny antique chairs in the middle of this room full of stuff. And he would bring up props and he'd talk about it and he'd, he'd, he'd act out some of the <laughs> stuff. And it was just so funny listening to him talk about it because you could tell he loved this topic and so he was almost encyclopedic about what he could recall from different ages and how people would would take these concepts of alchemy and healing and then twist them to be more about making profits or making um you know 
doing interesting things. So if you guys remember all of the old snake oil salesmen and all of the interesting tonics to cure everything from coughs to whatever else. Um, mm-hmm. Chris, you might need one of those these days to cure your face lump. I've been trying some. Yeah. <laughs> and like you talk about all these things and it was so interesting. And, and I'll mention a couple just just because I think if you guys are ever in that part of town, you really should go with go and take a peek. I mean, it was awesome. It was a private tour. You could set it up um, and you could just go and look at his collection. But it was it was interesting because he would talk about things like um, in the olden days over in Europe, there used to be, or, you know, specifically England, there used to be the king's patents of this mm-hmm. like pharmaceuticals that people would mix up all these poultices and the, you know, all these you know, concoctions. And there was this really specific recipe. But back in the day, they didn't have to tell you what was in it as long as it Right, because it was a patent, worked. so they didn't want people to copy it. Right. And so they would give the king's stamp of approval, and then it would be shipped over to the United States where people would get it and they'd use it and they'd be like, oh, this is so great. And then some, some nice, nice young entrepreneur would find it and go, I could do this. And then make their weird version of it, and they would add all sorts of things like... And inevitably, they would put, like, arsenic. And cocaine. Cocaine, usually. And some (laughs) turpentine and some other weird garbage, and they'd be like, yeah, sure, of course it can cure all these things. And so, what is that, Pete's Dragon? You remember that movie? Yeah. Isn't isn't there one of those guys in there, too? Probably. I don't really remember. I just remember the dragon. Oh, okay. I should (laughs) should take a look again. But there's, there's, like, all of these things where if you actually read the labels, you'd be like, ooh, of course, there's morphine in every single one of these. Yes, well, that's there's one that was supposed to cure alcoholics, and it had alcohol (laughs) and cocaine (laughs) and, like, morphine in it. You're like, oh, good. Now your person is addicted to all the things and not just (laughs) one of the things. So it was really weird to hear these stories of it, and you just thought to yourself, like, you know, the what Food and Drug Administration came in to sort of try to regulate stuff that these people were selling to other people. Yeah, and it's right. it's very interesting because, of, of course, you know, these days there's all sorts of weird political stuff around pharmaceuticals and things. And so although the his entire museum was about the olden days and about the, the alchemical things and, you know, and, and for people like me that love weird esoteric stuff, there's there's the whole magic side of it. And then there's also the whole healing side of it and he talked about shamanism and he talked about all this different stuff and so so it's a very good mix of all those things but I loved it it was one of my favorite things about the trip um I just love hearing people talk about stuff that they're into and it was it was awesome I mean we sat there and we drew and we looked at all the things and listened to his stories and took some weird pictures with him and it was just the coolest so Yeah. So in addition to just knowing all this stuff, he is also a pharmacist himself. So the place is actually a drugstore. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So at the time, there was a couple of us that weren't feeling that well. And he was like selling cough drops and normal (laughs) stuff too that today. And so it was really interesting trying to think about like 100 years from now, how we're going to view the types of medicine stuff that we're taking now. And I'm how. sure we'll be horrified. We'll be yes, like, I'm sure. I mean, even though things are labeled now, there's a lot of things that we don't know how in long term it affects your body. The same as like people used to put titanium on their face for making it white. And you're like, no, no, <laughs> killing yourself early. So, yeah. yeah. Or like one of those watch painters used to eat their their weird chemicals. What was it? Yeah. Radium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All sorts of things like that where now you're like, mm, no, <laughs> that was a bad idea. Bad choices. But it was really cool. And, and that was like one of the highlights. And after we left um, the URA Alchemist, uh, we actually took a drive all the way up to the very top of a nearby mountain mm-hmm. where we pulled off on the side of the road in this little tiny nondescript like pull off. And all of us got out and we were looking for a hidden tiny ghost town called Ironton and all around the Colorado area especially over there back in the back hills there are tiny little towns from the 1800s that have survived because of the climate or because of the kind of the air quality for a bazillion years and so they've been abandoned and left there <laughs> by bazillion we mean like a hundred yeah like hundred years how old they were <laughs> yeah well bazillion I don't even think is a real word so I I I mean a long time so as you as you approach these, you're not really sure what state they're going to be in. But most of them, I think, 
are still in like the same encampments and you can kind of visualize where people used to live and like how they used to, you know, interact with each other. But Ironton specifically is maybe a mile and a half off the drive. And so we set off on our quest down there, uh, got yelled at by a guy on, on snow skis, whatever that cross is. Cross country skis. Yeah, yeah. Or something or snow skates or what was he doing? It's cross country skiing. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so we, we were walking, 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 and all of a sudden we started to realize that this whole area must be at least five feet deep with snow. Yes. And we were if walking on a small crust. One step off the path, you would be up to your waist. <laughs> at least. So we were like, what? How does this happen? And so we realized, of course, that as a snow falls, it just piles up on itself, and it looks like solid ground, but it totally is not. So we're all walking really carefully down this path that's kind of compressed, and we pull off to the very first house. We could see it. We could, maybe it's 50 feet away. And we're like, all right, through the woods. We take one step. And we're all up to our knees. We're like, uh-oh. So we end up walking through each other's footsteps all the way over there to one of the first houses where you could see bits of wallpaper and bits of like, um, I don't know, actually very well-preserved little house where there are different rooms where people would do things. And at this point we turn around and we realize that Nick's pants are completely ripped to shreds. <laughs> and we were like, you too? What? What happened to your pants? And he had stepped, what, one inch off the path? Yep. And put his foot in a hole. Well, so... And then his other leg ripped off. Yeah, so one foot went up to like his thigh in snow. So one foot was still on the high ground and one was down in the snow and then he must have been trying really hard to get his leg out that it erupted around his calf and exploded in all <laughs> directions. So his jeans just shot off his leg. So he had a weird like like caveman tarp on, tarp one, side. <laughs> on one side, which must have been very cold. And I feel bad for him because I was like, oh, man, in the beginning of our adventure, your pants like exploded. And we were like, well, that seems to be the theme of this trip. Is people's pants flying off yes. for no reason. Yes. So we got him out of there and we moved on to the second part of it, which was a little further back, probably about right at the mile mark. And here we found not just single houses, but just a whole little village of things. Mm-hmm. And they were very well preserved. All of them were, again, strangely enough, about f- like buried to about five feet up. So the doors, the doorways were sunken into the the earth or the snow, I guess. The picnic mm-hmm. tables were just covered with stuff and everything it looked like it had been sort of like blanketed by this giant marshmallow puff. I was actually really impressed. The roofs had at least three or four feet of snow on all sides and I have no idea how they were still standing. It was I don't know. Maybe crazy. it's like petrifying in there or something like that. I have mm-hmm. no idea. I'm amazed that that stuff lasts that long. You'd think it would rot or whatever. But we went in there and it was crazy. There were old, old like spring mattresses in some of them that had disintegrated some of the wallpaper was still up there and you could Mm kind of see the like the visuals i think a couple of the houses people had tried to live in there through the 60s and even that is old enough when it's exposed to the elements you know but we walked carefully one by one around the property and some of us went up to the second floor in some of these houses and you know you have to be real careful yeah it's pretty dangerous super dangerous mm-hmm. and you know you're you're tapping your feet around trying not to fall through the floor <laughs> but um what just tap dancing upstairs. just yeah <laughs> and so um but it was really cool i mean it was just you could just imagine what life was like uh, for people and you know it was just a very surreal experience so what were those, those towns for prospecting yeah yep yep and so so people just went up there and lived in and when you say towns they're like clusters tiny. of like five buildings yeah mm-hmm. five six seven buildings. just houses yep not not like full-on towns or anything no it, but there are some i'm sure i think there's like 180 in colorado these little tiny baby towns like that just kind of sprinkled around yeah and you could see some from the road that were up Pretty inaccessible, yeah. I don't even know who would how they got up there, but they built these houses and they were just really um simple construction, but yeah, they were very small. Yeah. Well I'm impressed. I mean, I know there's probably like since it's called Ironton, there's probably like iron ores or other things that were nearby and why people chose that area. But even just getting out to the ghost town, like we had to drive up a mountain and quite a ways. 
to even get there. So I'm impressed somebody was like, this looks like a good spot in this pile of snow in the freezing winter to put my house yeah. in the middle of nowhere. It's there crazy. must have been a river nearby or something. Maybe. Something that would make them... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, probably. I it do. just seems like it'd be really hard. It is really yeah. hard. And I'll I'll tell you guys a story um, that I told everybody on the trip. So when doing some research with this, um, I was trying to figure out exactly who lived there and what happened. And in... Uh, one of these buildings we were looking around, I had heard a story about a man in the 1800s who was building one of these houses for his wife and he was so in love with her and he was so excited about, um, you know, being married to her. He spent all of his free time building this beautiful house. Um, and right as the snow started to fall, she passed away and because the ground was frozen, he was unable to bury her, and so she, he propped her up on a rocking chair on the front porch for the <laughs> entire winter and eventually was able to take her down and put her in the ground eventually. But there, you're like, okay, the idea of ghost town has now just completely <sighs> taken a, like a totally different turn here. But Yeah, you know, which you, I actually had a hard time separating, like in my mind, ghost town from... Like ghost a, town? like ghosts you know yeah like it's hard to separate those things and like so i kept ghost town because no one's there yeah but i mean like haunted. right right but it i automatically kept thinking this place has to be haunted oh it totally looks like it. i'm sure there's people yeah. that like fell off a mountain somewhere right or and like... there's a bunch of those like birch eyeball trees oh yeah that yeah. was extra weird yeah all <laughs> yeah that is weird every place a branch would fall off a birch tree does look like an eyeball Looks yeah. like everything's staring at you over there. It's just white and black. Everything's crazy. Yeah. We have some photos, I believe, on the website from mm-hmm. that adventure if you guys want to see it. But um, that was one of the last things that we did that day. We went back and um, we had just a really nice night having a you know dinner with everybody and you know said our goodbyes. And the next morning we took everybody to the to the bus to head to the airport. And um, it was. Such a good time. I mean, we we explored, we learned stuff, we were able to kind of like, I don't know, see other people's practice in action as they were drawing or painting. But it was great. And so um, we had a long, long drive home after that. So after everybody left, we packed the car back up, got in the car, and um, we had to take James all the way five hours to Denver to catch his plane in the evening. And so um, like with every good road trip, you try and entertain yourself in various ways. And so well, I was sitting there. I think you were inspired by the ghost town and you were like, what if we had to live? Yes. But also, in addition to that, when you're sitting in a car with three other people and no one's saying anything, you kind of think about all sorts of weird stuff. So you're like, so if you had a farm, could you self-sustain? And then I would ask Jenny what she'd plant. Would she have livestock? And I'd ask James, how would he, how would he get his, would he be a fur trapper? <laughs> or a, <laughs> or whatever. And slowly, this game of asking a million questions got out of control and turned into some weird version of D&D. Yeah, well, Lindsay's like, and then you find a portal in your <laughs> in your land. Do you go down in the hole? And I'm like, James should probably roll a D20 to see what happens. <laughs> and then it turned into the best and then we had a D20. impromptu. We did. We did. We did. And, and for whatever reason... That impromptu game of D&D was the most hilarious because I don't think James has ever played D&D he before hasn't. in his life. Also, he must have had a weighted dice because he rolled a critical fail on every roll. Yeah, <laughs> it was really funny. So then, yeah, so it became this D&D game kind of where James and Jenny were exploring the land underneath their farm homesteads. <laughs> Because weren't they neighbors and they hated each other? Yes, or something? yeah. Well, because yep. I was like, I was like, who? What would you do if after ten years you finally realized you had a neighbor? <laughs> and then I was like, you like and turned then, around and you're like, oh, Jenny built her house here. Yeah, and then it was you guys. And then for whatever reason, you guys said that you would hate each other and not cooperate. <laughs> so then when you went down a hole together, that's because James wants to live on a porch with overalls and no shirt and a shotgun. <laughs> so we would probably not be friends. <laughs> Yeah, which was really funny because then it was a collaborative effort to defeat a sea monster. Well, then Lindsay was like, I don't want to ask the questions anymore. And then she turned up in the secret bunker that they were exploring. And then I took over. We defeated 
um, the Nazi regime somehow down there underneath Jenny's and James's property. And Lindsay had magical <laughs> butt cheeks that could stretch out to infinity. I forgot that that was a part of my character's special. <laughs> each had one special which ability. ended in a climactic sewer chase where James <laughs> and Jenny were riding Lindsay's butt cheeks. <laughs> As she pulled just them up as, to the surface. Yes, just as all normal adventures. Do. Yes, exactly. So that's exactly what but happens. But I don't. I don't think James had ever played Dungeons and Dragons before. He right? hadn't. No, and I mean, this was obviously a very, very. It was more just like an, a narrative exercise where we were rolling a d twenty. I don't think to it's, determine. It's events. basically. I mean, D anD D is basically that, except for without the 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 book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And without so, like battle time but yeah we had always, some battles but it was it was uh determined by how it was basically just James determined rolled. by one dice roll well yes. every time he would roll a critical fail he also had instant diarrhea so <laughs> the entirety of james's experience well the best part was, was he was hiding in a bathroom and then the, this like robotic version of this horrible man was like searching for him and he's like, I'm going to hide in the bathroom. And then I was like, okay, roll for stealth. And he rolled a one. And then I was like, <laughs> you have incredibly loud diarrhea all over this stall. We had <laughs> poor James. <laughs> poor James. And James was just always like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. So we went instantly into third grade potty humor, I think, yep. for most of it. But it was yeah. hilarious. And so that was good. And it was it was. <laughs> It was we, a great experience. James, at one point, he tried to kill a sea monster, so he was sitting on it, and he was going to stab it, oh, except yeah, for then he rolled a critical fail and stabbed his leg and then had diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> In all of his wounds. Yep. So, so sad. But poor, poor James. Poor James. And if you haven't, if you're like, who the heck is James, by the way, <laughs> surprise, James works with us now. So yep. James, I think we announced that. Did we? I don't know if we ever did. He's a very silent, stealthy person here. I, James is a recent grad of MCAD, in case I didn't actually say this out loud before. Um, but he was our intern for the last six months or so, and so he officially is part of the Light Gray team, um, does a lot of like the the great Instagram um stuff as well as like some of the social media things and helps out with shipping and stuff like that but yeah you guys should meet him one of these days he's a really nice guy his last name's lavella yep james lavella so um he is not into podcasting so you may or may not ever hear his sweet sweet voice but we'll see eventually i bet you will i bet you will but he does come to game night and he's really involved with all the other stuff so so that's who james is just in case so when you ask him about his diarrhea (laughs) he will be like oh how do you know so yeah, but that was good. So we had a great adventure, and it was it was it really took like awesome. Three or four hours that we yep. were totally entertained, and then it ended with a perfect crescendo, and then we're all just like, and they're like now what? We were, I think we were exhausted from t- <laughs> from talking, and it was, well, yeah, was yeah. A, that's about as long as a real D and D game is. Yeah. yeah, three to four hours. Well, it. It was great, and I just I again want to thank everybody that went on the trip with us. It was super fun. Of course, like you know, we have our our programming coming up here for 2016. That mm-hmm. um, just for fun, we might as well tell you all the stuff that's going to be happening. We currently have one spot left for a program we didn't even know was coming. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! So we. To celebrate 100 years of National Park's awesomeness, mm-hmm. um, the United States right now is having all these amazing things where you can get out to your national parks and see some of the wonders. And uh, back when we got back from Uray, we had been planning a couple different excursions um, for people, including uh, the upcoming, again, 2017 applications for uh, Iceland, the mm-hmm. Iceland Residency Program. And as we were thinking about the residency program, we also, again, were thinking about where should we go for the next art camps and what should we do? And we thought, wow, Yellowstone and Grand Teton, both of which are in the Wyoming, Idaho, Montana area, um, those sound awesome because, of course, there's like a million things of wildlife and crazy things that we always love, like geysers and hot pots and hot tubs hot tubs and amazing things and there's a big listing up there um if you follow our stuff online you'll probably have seen it already um we have one spot left for the yellowstone uh excursion i guess i'm gonna call it but the art camps again are about getting out there exploring Mm -hmm. your your new turf learning stuff from other people and also getting to know things from scientists historians or otherwise and so we kind of do these exploratory programs again to get you out of your comfort zone and to meet people that you might 
really be inspired by and go home with new perspectives. So the Yellowstone trip, um, yeah, we have, a I think, room for one creative couple or a single person that's interested in coming with. But we've mm-hmm. got the, a great list of people that are signed up to go. We're really excited about it. And beyond that, you should definitely keep your eyes open because we have some other programs coming up that we haven't said anything about yet. Um, so if you keep a close watch on the blog or the Facebook page or the Twitter or whatever else, you'll probably see... Um, some indications of what's coming up there soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jenny, if people want to look for the uh, Iceland information, when when, or where would they? So, uh, just in case you guys haven't been to the website in a while, we have a really good and comprehensive uh, pages that you can follow and find all the information about who has gone on our trips in the past, what they're about, the different variations. So, you, normally the art camps are four days and, yeah, four days or five nights. Wait, how does that work? Four days, three nights. Um, and they are all over the United States and beyond. So a lot of the time we are going to national parks and really fun, amazing and sublime places that people can really explore and do new things. Um, the Iceland residency program, it has a whole section on our website also that you can find all the current information. Uh, so this May, we are actually going to be having, and we haven't announced yet, a exhibition that features some of the work from people who traveled with us in the 2015 program. Um, so at the same time, we'll be announcing the applications for the 2017 residency. So if you guys want to travel with us, if you are a creative person who has really interesting things you want to share with other people, if you've always wanted to go to Iceland, it's a perfect chance to mash all those things together to see some of the coolest and most amazing natural phenomenons ever. Um, you should definitely take a peek and apply. We have tons of photos. Chris has lots and lots of photos that he's posted to the website where you can see some of the glaciers and some of the volcanoes and really beautiful stuff. Um, so just in case you're curious, all the info's there, but the applications are coming this May. Yes. And so the big difference between the art camps and the residency program, and just to make sure this is very clear, Um, the residency program focuses on learning Mm -hmm. and about sharing your creative practice with others. So there is a teaching component that comes with it. So Mm -hmm. applicants should be um, considering what they want to bring to the table. So everybody in the residency program teaches a 45-minute workshop or discussion or lecture or something like that based around their practice. And so when you go um, in the evenings as we get back to her. And so the idea is also bringing people from around the world together. So we have Mm -hmm. um, people coming from Australia, people coming from um, Spain, Germany, uh, you know, Canada, all around the United States. I mean, there's a lot of people from different backgrounds, not only creatively, but also where they live. Mm -hmm. And, And the whole purpose, again, is to expand your horizons beyond what you currently think of as your practice. And again, to bring what you do to an atmosphere where everybody can learn and share together. And so um, we do ask people to consider that as they apply because um, it's probably the most important part of the application process is articulating what you think you want to bring to the table. But if you have any questions about that as we get closer to application time, definitely let us know. Um, We're happy to talk about it with anybody that's interested. But it's really a fun program. And of course, we're out in the field eight to 10 hours a day um, exploring stuff that is wild and crazy and amazing. So um, yes. So anyway, uh, a couple other art camp programs uh, coming up here for the rest of 2016. And make sure to keep an eye out for that. But besides that, um, let's just talk about some of the stuff that's coming up here that was kind of Maybe some of it was like kind of fun and unexpected, um, but things that we're really excited about. So, by the way, if you haven't seen the Robo Show yet, you should definitely take a look at it. It's up for another couple weeks, right? Yes. Yep. So it's up through the end of March. So you guys should stop by during gallery hours and say hi. Um, So the Robo Show features almost 70 artists' work. They have made really cool and original designs for mechs and mobile suits and robots and robot companions and all sorts of really fun stuff. Um, This show has received tons of press and everyone is very impressed with the quality of artwork and how amazing all the people and all their ideas are. Um, So you can find the pieces on our shop right now. They'll be up for another month or so. And you can also see them on on the RoboShow website. So. Yeah, and if you, I don't know if we posted this um, on the website yet, we'll, we'll probably put a link in the RoboShow page, but you can listen to a fun 
NPR story that uh, you and Care did uh, about the Robo Show. He came into the gallery and he uh, interviewed us and some of the artists in the show, and it's a really fun show. And uh, that was a tons of fun. Yoon seems like a really cool guy who's into a lot of the same stuff as he us. He loves robots. <laughs> he loves robots. So that was really cool. We'll make yeah. sure to post it up there so you guys can take a peek. So that was really fun. And um, we also, of course, speaking of shows that are coming up here, we have just announced the Botanica participating artist list. Holy crap, you guys. Over 600 people have applied to this show all of which were incredible. Um, of course, as you guys know, if you've ever applied to a show before, what we try to do is figure out what fits in the space, um, how to jury so that it's the best, um, I guess, best, I'm going to say production. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> the best the best experience for all yes. people involved, including the visitors and the artists. And um, yeah, so I just want to thank everybody who has put their name in the hat for that one. We're totally blown away. Super good. And so, again, we may be reaching out to other people, too, if we weren't able to fit you in this show. Um, you know, again, there's a lot of calls for art coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So definitely keep an eye out. We have things that we've got planned for all of the summer and the fall already. So there are definitely other chances to be involved if you weren't able to make it in this one. But we are really looking forward to this show. So um, do you want to tell people what Botanica is all about? Sure. Um, so Botanica, of course, inspired by the springtime, um, is all about the flora and really beautiful, intricate, uh, delicate flowers. So it's anything from moss, lichen, um, any sort of botanicals that people are interested in making. But it's more than that, too. A lot of people are doing scientific illustrations or some of them are doing actual live I don't know if it's live live flower ranging things. Um, so there'll be lots of flowers in the space, but it's all about beauty and nature and a lot of subjects that we're really into. We talked too about uh, the connection with the earth and sort of the origin stories of mm-hmm. how things come to be. And so um, if you want to kind of see what the calls for art are like or mm-hmm. kind of a little bit more about Botanica, there is a call for art uh, that just closed. You can kind of read through it to get a sense mm-hmm. of what that is. But um, more information for that should be coming out really, really soon yes. as we get closer to the what? April 15th? April 15th. That yes. is the worst day. It's tax day. Yeah. That's how you can remember. We're gonna- so when you're depressed about your taxes, <laughs> you come here and then be uplifted yes. with positive vibes. Yes. Oh, taxes are the worst. They are the worst. <laughs> So, but yeah, but thanks again. A really awesome lineup. You guys can check out all the artists involved um, on the blog and then also on the Botanica page on the website. So here's some other crazy stuff that's going on here. Can you believe that we are four years old? Kind of. (laughs) I can't tell if it seems like it's been, if it's gone by really fast or if that's not long enough. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Where did life go? But I think it is, I I feel accomplished somehow or like proud of, of life or something. It feels weird. Four years feels like, okay, so let's put this in perspective. Four years is how long that we were all in college, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Four years is what else? How old some of my nieces and nephews are. Oh, that's weird. Uh, four years is how long that Dayquil was that we found in the, yeah, <laughs> in I the found closet. A, I found a Dayquil that must have been bought at the time we opened the gallery. Yeah. And then I was like, it'll <laughs> be fine. That expiration date of like 2012. Yeah. So, but four years feels weird. I think in the last four years, we've kind of looked back and, you know, we always do the, the beginning of the year thing, which we didn't do this year. We weren't talking. Right. Actually, we didn't do that at all, but, right. you know, but it is really interesting. Like as you look backwards, um, how stuff has evolved, which is really cool. And, uh, it's always really surprising. I'm always really surprised about where things went, which is kind of a subtopic of today's thing. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you surprised by where we are? Um, I don't know. I mean, I was just equating it to like what happens in school. I mean, I feel like we've done way more than even what you do in school, even though school is ridiculous, but it feels more substantial, of course. Um, I am impressed sometimes. I'm impressed. And I also have been thinking about this a lot recently, especially this weekend when we were during all the Botanica artists and people showed up that we've been working with for four years. 
And that is substantial when you're like, oh, I remember when this person was in school. Or oh, I remember that's so when nice. Just a partnership with somebody yeah, on a long-term right, thing. Right, yeah. that they're still applying and that they're still making stuff and seeing how they've like changed over time. And so I was thinking about that a lot as I was sort of going through all these people's portfolios. So that it does seem like a long time. That makes me weird and fun and nostalgic yeah. for a second. Yeah. That's adorable. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I guess I didn't think about that. I mean, you sometimes think about where you are at this current moment because you can't, depending on if you're real busy or confused or something like that, you don't always look backwards. Mm-hmm. But I think that's actually that's a really awesome kind of sentimental yeah. thing. Like, I I actually really like that. What about you? Are you confused about where we are today? Um, I don't know. I was updating the website the other day for the exhibitions page, and we we're kind of making it a little bit easier to navigate. Uh-huh. And it was taking a long time. And that's because I realized we've done 32 shows that are on the website. Plus ones that are not, Plus or double that, shows, or yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a lot. It is a lot. I think that's a lot. I <laughs> it feel is. Like, I feel like that's a lot. It is. I was also thinking. So a couple weeks ago, we presented at the science museum, and we were talking about our video games. And I was like, man, that was. We made some video games a while ago, and I forgot that we did that, <laughs> but we did. <laughs> um, and so it's funny when you have some stuff under your belt, when you forget the things that you've been through, you know, you like f- forget the accomplishments or the things that you've worked on. Yeah. So you're now in the new stuff. Yeah. And that is really weird. I'm I'm really proud of everybody that um, is participating in the stuff that is going on here. I think we're always always really, really grateful um, that people want to work with us on stuff. And so that's super cool. And yeah, I feel strange about like four years is weird. Um, It's been a lot of work, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's totally worth it. I mean, I feel like it's really fun to be able to do stuff with everybody. And um, I'm like thinking about the rest of 2016 because we had to do a huge planning session. We always do it kind of in the beginning of every year where we're like, what do we want to do next? And we're like, wow, this is hard to pick because you don't really know because everything sort of just snowballs on itself. Mm-hmm. But we were talking, actually, Jenny, it was me and you we were talking about how when you, maybe it was me and Francesca, I forgot. Anyway, <laughs> but we were looking back and we were uh-huh. saying how easy it is for you to see the thread between all the stuff you've done. Yeah. And you're like, and I think we've talked about that before on the podcast, but how weird it is to be like, oh, of course, this thing was the next evolution of it. And of yeah. course it would be that, you know. Right. It makes more sense looking backwards than forwards. Yeah. And so I feel like there are a couple goals that I want to sort of chase for this next year and, and to sort of plan things for the year after. Um, but it is really interesting sometimes where you're like, oh, well, I feel, I feel daring. I feel excited. I feel like, you know, I don't know, like things are possible. And I like thinking about stuff that's totally new. And I think that's one of the things that I appreciate about looking at the four years is that there's been a lot of explorations and stuff that was a totally different process than what I may have been used to before that thing happened, you know, mm-hmm. like the video games, which makes mm-hmm. sense. But I mean, at game night the other night, we were talking about there's actually a couple people who were there that are in the process of doing a collaborative book, which is really exciting. And so we were talking about like some of our experiences and who they print through and stuff like that. And I was telling them because I was like, it's really funny. The first time you do it, you're going to think it's really hard. And then after that, you're like, ah. Oh, doing a book, no big deal. Yeah. We'll, we'll make it even harder and bigger and crazier. <laughs> and so I think that's like one of the most liberating things is sort of like pushing yourself off some sort of ledge to just do it and commit to it. Um, so I don't know. I'm hopeful that we are able to sort of challenge ourselves in a lot of different cool ways, which is good. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really cool. Um, I want to put this out there for anybody that's listening that might be excited about this. So one thing I always really love is like a catalyst that you didn't even know was a thing. Like, for example, um, when I went and I gave a talk over at Coco uh, Minneapolis, which is a collaborative co-working space, and I was packing up and heading out, and David Washington, um, who ended up helping us with Dream Arcade, stepped up and he said, hey, my name's David. You think you'd ever want to do something? Like collaborate with some game stuff and I was like yes <laughs> and I was like I don't know what we do but yeah so I'm gonna put this out there for anybody that listens to our podcast if you do something 
anything <laughs> and you're like, yeah, this would be really fun. Like I have this interesting facet of my process or, you know, it'd be really cool is this kind of thing. We're always open to listening to that stuff like all the time. I feel like it's sometimes it's it's really helpful to have somebody infuse your current process with something unexpected. And mm-hmm. I think that's often how we begin to push beyond what we do. So I went to my very last class. I was teaching an uh, illustrated typography class on Thursdays. My last class was this past Thursday. Jenny reminded me as I was sitting there thinking like, what should I do for this very last class? And something we did in Uray mm-hmm. um, was actually uh, really, I guess I guess I'll rephrase it by saying it was really cool, but it but Jenny brought back up this process of brainstorming that I thought was really neat that kind of pushes you beyond your comfort zone to kind of think about the what ifs. And did we ever talk about that on the podcast about that? I don't think flippy we did. Thing? Well, we did teach a couple classes and this one had to do with like New Year's and goals, but it could be anything really. It's yeah. just about like, and this also kind of reflects back into how we come up with show topics or concepts and stuff. A lot of time it's pairing of two good things together yeah seeing what happens with those two things um but we did this exercise with everyone in uray where we had them write down like different kinds of processes like collaboration or or, experiential yep or or printed work yeah or moving or you know like adjectives that describe a kind of process or a kind of making or something like that and we had them mix them up so it kind of looked like a memory board and you flipped two over and then brainstormed what possible projects you could work on. So this was a good way of generating something that you might not have thought of before. So like, of course, you could curate this for yourself and say like, I'm interested in these 10 kinds of making and then these 10 kinds of subjects and I'm going to mix them around and see what happens. But it's a good way to sort of like get yourself unstuck on ideas that you've had. Um, and but, not just like the things that you've thought you want to do forever, yes. but like push yourself beyond that. So maybe one of these days we'll make a blog post that shows you exactly how yeah. this works because yeah. I know it probably sounds a little cryptic, but the funny thing about doing this flipping game <laughs> is yeah. as you're writing down all of these different topics on you know different pieces of paper, um, like as Jenny said, you are kind of um, escaping from your defaults. Yeah. Uh, you have the ability to think of things more about like what could the coolest relationship between these be and start there and then think about how to create something unique based on the relationship rather mm-hmm. than starting with, well, I always draw flowers, so I should start drawing flowers and then twist it slightly, you know? Yeah. So it's almost like working completely backwards. And so in the very last day of class, we did that with illustrated type and I had words like um, negative space and 3D and um, narrative and mm-hmm. like all these different words. And so as you flipped two over, it was more about the final aesthetic that was interesting. And we're like, oh, well, if it was some of them, some of them were like hybrid or collection or something like that. And I was like, okay, well, if you flipped over collection and negative space, um, some of the aesthetics that you could do based on that is having having the actual letter forms be white and then the surrounding stuff could be collections of flowers that that filled up the 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 space around the letters so Mm -hmm. that the letters themselves were empty you know right um so it's just one example of of many things but we talked about all sorts of of different kinds of things i'll maybe i will make a blog post about that because i think that would be interesting um but anyway it's funny because i think until we did this thing with the people in ure we hadn't really put our our finger on the like the concept of how like how to take that brainstorming process that we usually do for shows and actually make it like a functional um system yeah or like a you game know? or something yeah because yeah. we we do it all the time we got lists and lists and lists of stuff and we're like what if you put this one with this one what would that be you yeah. know and it's always right. really fun to brainstorm but i don't think we've ever put it into a tangible <laughs> here's a quick way to do this thing. Right. So that would be really fun. But um, yeah, I forgot why I was talking about that. But anyway, it was a good a good way to shake up what you're doing. And I think that's kind of how 2016 is ending up being. Almost yeah. like a strange combo of stuff. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes when you hit a land, I don't, 
I want oh like a milestone I keep wanting to call it landmark um when you hit like a weird milestone sometimes you critique whatever you're doing like I was actually thinking so I'm just gonna say this out loud but Francesca's turning 30 this year so (laughs) I think it's one of those things where you're like okay now I get to evaluate what I've done and what I want to do and this is like a pivotal moment where you can choose and so that's a lot of time when I'm thinking about I mean, we do this every year in January. That's the whole point of like New Year's resolutions is, is to, to reflect. Like, yeah, and to be plan. like, what do I want to do? But I think even more so this year, we've been like, how can we challenge ourselves? How can we challenge artists? How can we do the things that we want to do and make it possible? And so I think when you hit something like four years and you're like, that's how long I've been in school. That's how long I've done this. Yeah. I think it makes it clear of what you, how you can critique yourself in the past and do something forward. So. When you're talking about the exercise, I was thinking of that as a way to like shake up what you're doing, you know? I like that. I think the other concept that I thought maybe I'd pass by you guys that because we didn't really talk about beginning of year stuff is Mm -hmm. what do you do when you have so many ideas that you don't want to let any of them go? (laughs) What if you're like, we could do anything. And then you're like, oh, crap, I got to maintain all these other weird ones. So what do you think about that? Start a Google Doc. Start a Google Doc? What do you do if you have to, yeah, like, um, like it's kind of like buying a new plant and having to take care of your other plants. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like an easier version of that, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I do, I mean, Chris is good at this and being like, this is the right one for now. And these other things can still exist someday. Yeah. This is the good one for now. Like, do you give your old plants away? No. Or do you, you, you let them die? No, I keep them. I maintain them she all. Juggles them. What if you what if you run out of plant room? I am out of plant room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I, I was just curious about that because I always like the idea of new stuff. And I yeah. think what's fun about having a small team of people is that we, we constantly talk about balance of like how to infuse your practice because newness, of course, is what keeps it interesting. Yeah. But of course, there's you have to maintenance. The, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's important. And so I think about that sometimes. And my plant analogy was, yeah, you know, eventually you got a room full of plants. Right. Well, I mean, and I always make the, this weird diagram of like this, this sideways triangle that's continuing to sprawl <laughs> outwards of what we're doing where we have to like, it's not just where you're at right now, but all the past stuff that you're also piling on top of each yeah. other. So it is your snowball. You know what I like is I like that if, if it was plant guardians and you've got a guardian for certain <laughs> types of plants, like you, like Chris, you can be the the vine guardian. You can be the succulent guardian. And then I'm I'm like the, no, you can be the mold guardian. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a nice moss or something. Okay, fine. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> I don't know what's left, but you know, it's like, it is interesting um, you can have the medicinal ones. Yeah, I can have all the medicinal ones and all the seedlings of random types that who knows what's going to happen to them. But then there's like, I think sometimes that makes it a little easier, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how you, when you get all the new ones, like, you know. How you balance it all. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a constant, constant question mark. But yeah, we talk about giant snowball. And I was, mm-hmm. what I we were sitting in the car and I was like, yeah. My life is like a weird, huge snowball that eventually you're rolling up dirt and twigs and like some dog poop and some other stuff in your snowball. And you're like, I'm doing stuff. And then you look at the outside and you're like, oh, God. (laughs) Going back to the last four years or whatever, that's something that feels very different from when we started is there's just more um, upkeep that you don't really think about. And it's like going back to update the website now is a much more gargantuan task than it used to be. And, um, you know, we add in all these little things like podcasts and game nights and like their extracurricular stuff. Yeah. And maintaining inventory and keeping the store up to date and all these things Mm -hmm. that kind of creep up a little bit. So it's a little bit harder to be constantly moving forward because there's a lot of bookkeeping and kind of back work. You also have to remember to keep up with. So, um, it does feel bigger in that way do you think it feels slower it's just history um i mean i think that comes with bigger you know i think think so yeah does it feel slower to you um no i mean it feels like we're moving at the same pace but the we still it's instead of like a snowball it would be like if you're trying to move the indiana jones line so you have to like keep shoveling it in a line for a long time (laughs) you're really tired (laughs) and then you'll like look back and the shop's like left like 10 feet behind and so you have to 
You're like, have oh, to yeah. keep pushing it forward. So that's kind of more what it feels like instead of like a snowball that you can just push and it rolls on its own. Oh, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Build a little ramp or something. <laughs> you got to build a little jump, like a, little, like a sweet BMX jump for your snowball. That's what you're going to do? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I feel like Chris is nodding like he likes it. Yeah. Yeah. Just going to push your snowball off the edge. Yeah. But it is really interesting. I don't know. I think brainstorming is really funny. I go through some form of panic mostly for Mm -hmm. every new thing. And then I go, wow, what if it fails? You know, and then like eventually land on something that's not as terrifying. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's just time that makes it less terrifying, but... I was thinking about 2016 and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do some weird new stuff. So since we never talked about this, here's all the weird things that I think I'm going to do this year. All right. Okay. So I decided that why stay on the weird fringe of the tarot universe when I could just dive right in? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we talked about minors and majors a long time ago. You know, I actually talked to some of my students about this. I was like, you know, everybody knows you're an art person. So what's your second thing? Because that's the thing mm-hmm. that helps define you as a human being. Don't you think? Yeah. Like, you're like, yeah, I draw stuff. And you're like, yeah, you do. Okay, what else? And then you're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's the fact that I have a million cats or the fact that I like tarot cards or the fact that, you know, I don't know, that I'm into like weird botanical stuff or whatever else. And it's interesting when you think about how much more that defines your unique niche thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, why am I, why not, why not, not why am I not, but why not decide to just jump right into this universe of crazy, crazy stuff. So in January, I went to the North Star Tarot Conference, which is a local chapter of, of people that are interested in tarot cards. And it's great because they have historical stuff. Um, they've got practice sessions. They've got some art making stuff. Um, and you get to hear from different people who use the cards in different ways, like whether it's psychology or um, divinatory stuff or whatever else. So whatever your perspective on it, it's really interesting to get this kind of, I don't know, just this fun, almost like smattering of different concepts. And, um, there is something called reader studio that's happening in New York, um, at the end of April, beginning of May, that is, uh, a giant version of this. And so I took out a huge weird ad (laughs) <laughs> I was telling Jenny this and I was like why not right why just show up so I was like no I'm gonna take out a giant ad and put my big dumb face on it <laughs> and then and that way maybe if somebody has seen the cosmos or has seen like the light gray tarot we can mm-hmm. have a conversation and I was thinking about it and I was like I'm gonna go all in here and and talk to people about like their interest in stuff so I can learn things but also be engaged and I was like I don't I could just walk around and talk to people anyway, but I was like, just for just to make it easier, maybe I'll put this thing in their pamphlet and then who knows, mm-hmm. you know, we can talk about what it's like making a tarot deck or I can hear from other people that have done it because I'm sure there's people that have done it there that have a totally different experience than, than what we do. But anyway, it's, it was one of my minors that I've always been interested in for like, I don't know, 20 years now I've been reading tarot cards, which is crazy. That's a long time. It's a really long time. That's weird that I'm saying that, <laughs> you know, and then I'm just like, well, that that's really fun. So um, the other thing that I'm really interested in is um, exploration of materials. So I'm constantly on the lookout for things that could be new show things or like could be some stuff. If you guys saw, I'm not going to mention what it is, but you may have seen some sneak peeks on our Instagram for potential new uh now you can go look it up if you want to (laughs) potential new like not formats but like mediums yeah mediums yeah and we got so excited because we found the diy version of some stuff and we were like holy crap this just busts a whole new category of stuff wide open for us and for all the artists involved they'd be able to use this so that was really exciting so i'm interested in kind of bringing that up in 2016 which is cool what about you guys what other like things that you think are gonna eke into your practice and of course also into the universe of light gray hmm that's a good question um well we do have lots of travel stuff coming up and I always feel like that is something that continues to influence like my own personal practice and my interests and stuff like that 
Um, this last week, I've been talking to a couple of the artists that went with us in last year's Iceland group. And a lot of that's because we're planning an exhibition right now with some of their work. And so they've all been talking about their favorite things and what they're into. And I even told them this too. Like I think about Iceland every day. It's something that's like a part of who you are now. Um, and I think about that with any of the travel stuff coming up. So I do think that that influences things. Um, something I am interested in and every time we go on travel trips we always try and meet up with people who are in those cities but I think taking advantage of some of the cool stuff that is happening in other places is a big deal like if there's other galleries or other things we want to like their local community yeah Yeah. right like seeing what's up and just supporting some of the other programming and stuff which is really fun Um, so I'm not sure where that's going yet but I think it's really exciting and I know we have lots of ideas for shows, but I don't know if we can announce them yet. I know. Secrets. <laughs> secrets. All the secrets. What about you, Chris? Well, as far as uh, upcoming projects, we've been working a lot on a secret project that I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about. But it's coming along. And related to it, I'm going to be on a panel at GlitchCon with some board game oh, designers. Yeah. So I think that will be interesting. And I'm excited to participate. Um, GlitchCon is a video game conference, but um, they're kind of going into different aspects of game design and stuff. So I'm going to be on a panel with some people from Fantasy Flight and um, some Kickstarter designers. So it should be really interesting. Yeah. And just in case you guys are local, GlitchCon is an awesome convention that happens in the spring that's ran by Glitch. Glitch. And they are part of the U of M, um, and it happens at the McNamara Center, and it's the last weekend in April. So I think there are still tickets available um but we'll be there friday and saturday for the events so you I'll should be stop by and say hi being weird over at the tarot conference yes. so. <laughs> <laughs> so chris and i and a couple other people will be there and it'll be really fun um but yeah it's super awesome so maybe you'll get to see some sneak peeks into things we're planning yeah and then this year in general is just going to test my limits of travel i think because <laughs> we have been traveling and we will continue to travel and i am okay at traveling you're good once you're there, I think. Yeah, but we're about to leave for Japan in a couple days. Yeah, yes. that's uh, that's not like Rare Lab related, but we might as well report back Who knows on that what adventure. Will in the Who future. knows? Yeah. Yes. But there's that, and then Iceland, and then uh, the Grand Tetons, and Yellowstone. Yellowstone, and then there was Uray, and it just feels like a ton. Speaking of travel, Jenny and I are going to be at Icon 9. Yes. I am so excited. (laughs) If you guys have never been there, it's a great chance for you to meet a lot of other illustrators and hear from people from like all like levels of practice, I suppose, and like where they are in their career. And so um, I will be, uh, I don't even know if I can say this. I'll say it anyway. But um, I was just asked to be on... um, a moderator of one of the panels on creative business, which I'm really excited about. So I'll be there on the main stage talking with a couple really awesome artists that are also um, working on their creative businesses. And so beyond that, um, Jenny and I usually put together some get togethers uh, for people that want to meet each other before the conference. Cause you can, I mean, as you know, like I'm (laughs) saying with this tarot thing, sometimes you know somebody, but you don't know, you know them until you see their face. And so we usually put together like a breakfast where you can look at a person in the eyeball and be like, oh, great. Now we're friends. And then you can walk around the conference and actually recognize people. So Icon is a biannual illustration convention. And this year it's happening in Austin, Texas in July, July 7th through the 9th. Something like that. Yeah. So you can still get tickets and you can still sign up for the roadshow through this week. Um, So the roadshow is like their sort of artist alley version of tabling there which is really fun but yeah we'll be there and we usually try and coordinate something just so we can say hi to people we usually set up a breakfast for artists and people we know that'll be there um so that way we can say hi and just be friends in person yeah (laughs) it's gonna be so great and so um again definitely we'll send out some invites if we know you're gonna be there we'll look through the the artist list but um if you don't get an invite from us, don't worry about it. Just show up or, you know, yeah. or send us an email. All we need to know is if how much coffee we need to get for everybody. <laughs> so um, we'll put it on the Facebook page and kind of look to that to, to figure out our numbers. But usually we pick a cute local place, meet up in the morning, get, yeah. get some yeah. coffee and then hang out for a second before the stuff. But definitely one of our favorite things. And um, but yeah, but that'll be really fun. So I don't know. I mean, that's a, a lot of fun stuff so far this year. We'll see how it keeps going. But what... Or where can people find all this information, Chris, if they want to keep in contact with us or something? Well, you can watch for upcoming events, shows, 
Call for Arts, all that kind of stuff on the blog, blog.lightgrayartlab.com. You can find us on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash lightgrayartlab. What if people want to send us like a sucret? Is oh, that yeah. even a even a thing anymore? A halls? A sucret is like a really strong cough drop. <laughs> if they want to send you a... <laughs> An alchemical poultice for your mouth or what are your throat? You can come find us in person on the corner of 26 and Stevens. Okay. You can also email us podcast at likegrayartlab.com. Find us on Twitter. We're at likegrayartlab. You can subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store. Stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. You can also follow us on Tumblr likegrayartgallery.tumblr.com. We will be retumbling artwork from the Robo Show and process and all sorts of different stuff. So follow us there. And also we have an Instagram, so make sure to follow us there, Light Gray Art Lab. Wow. Mm-hmm. Surprising. <laughs> There's all those things. Also, because it's 2016 and um, just wanted to, again, reiterate this, we have a weird year ahead of us. And so our podcast schedule will be slightly different this year. Um, we will still be doing artist interviews, uh, recaps of shows, chats about artwork and everything, but it may be a little random, as you've noticed for the first couple of weeks here. But um, stay tuned. We're still going to have great content for you guys uh, throughout the year. It may not be all the time on a Monday, but if you have any questions about that, you can always send us a note. But again, stay tuned. Um, we'll keep you posted with everything, and we'll talk with you soon. Mm-hmm.